0: thank pastor for giving me this great privilege to share with the people of God. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. Can we have the banner up, please? God has been dealing with us uh, and God has been teaching us. We've been learning in our covenant season of supernatural overflow and we've been learning about supernatural love overflow. And uh, God gave us the banner the very first week. We learned about uh, st- sturdy Love, which Pastor took, and he taught us that, you know, it is the love that has, yeah. So we have first, you know, the, the agape love, and then we, have, we look at agape love being, you know, the love of God, the abundant love of God. That is the sacrificial love of God. Then we look at spousal love. That has to do with, you know, relationship between a man and his wife. Then we look at, you know, brotherly love. That is the love that uh, exists or uh, place between brethren. And today, finally, we're looking at neighborly love. So our topic for today is deploying the power of neighborly love. Deploying the power of neighborly love. If you have not uh, watched the previous messages or you haven't been part of the previous messages, they are on our YouTube channel. If you go to LiveGate TV, you'll be able to find it over there. Go over them and listen to them. And you will be blessed. I want to take this opportunity to welcome those that are worshiping with us on a various social media platforms, on a Facebook and other social media platforms. We welcome you. We thank you. The Lord bless you as you follow you with us. Uh, we week in we week out. Last week, Pastor Moses dealt powerfully with brotherly love, and that message. Really, really bless my heart. So, if you missed last week, just go back and uh, you'll be able to find it online and listen to it again. So, today we are looking at deploying the power of neighborly love. Deploying the power of neighborly love. What is what is neighbourly love? What is neighbourly love? Uh, in preparing for this message today, I looked at uh, what a neighbour what who, who, who a neighbour is or what a neighbour is, and uh, I looked at the strong concordance. The word neighbor, the word neighbor in the strong concordance, it it talks about an associate or a, a brother, a fellow, a husband, a companion, you know, a friend or a special friend, a special friend. Or you can say that somebody who is next door to you, somebody who lives next door to you. Somebody who lives next door to you. Now, we're going to look at uh, a few scriptures. But the first one that I want us to look at now is from Exodus chapter 20, verse 16 to 17. Exodus chapter 20. This is when you know God brought the people of Israel out of Egypt and in the, in the wilderness, God gave them the law, uh, what we nom- uh, normally refer to as the law of Moses. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Verse 17, please. You shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey nor anything that is your neighbors you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor so even in the old testament in the law of moses or when god gave the ten commandments god even made provision for the neighbor it is very important that's why god made reference or god made sure that it was you know incorporated into the ten commandments He said that you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor's. Now, when I look into the root word, the you know the Hebrew meaning of that neighbor in that uh, Exodus chapter twenty, the word uh, is is the hebrew word is something that says like raya which is a friend or a fellow citizen a friend or a fellow citizen somebody who is an associate somebody who is a special friend so god even in the in the old testament had the neighbor in mind that the neighbor will not be you know Uh, deprived of what belongs to them the neighbor will not be defrauded in any way the neighbor will not you know be mistreated in any way so even in the law of moses god made reference to that that you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor now if we look at the life of abraham if we look at the life of abraham in genesis chapter 12 verse 1 to 3. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 to 3. We know that Abraham was a man that was called of God and God made a covenant with him. Now, let us look at what God has to say here. Genesis chapter 12. Now the Lord said to Abraham, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to alone I will show you I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. We're talking about deploying the power of neighborly love. God found Abraham... And God called him, and God gave him specific instructions. He said, get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house, to a land that I will show you, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. So God has specific plans and purposes for Abraham. He said, I'll make you a great nation. I will bless you, I'll make your name great, and that you will be a blessing god said to abraham you will be a blessing blessing to who that is blessing to the world blessing to his neighbors verse 3 says i will bless those who curse you and i will curse him who curses you and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed we know that christ came out of the lineage of abraham will not go into that but the blessing that god was speaking about that in you all the families of the earth will be blessed that was making reference to christ amen because in christ everyone is accepted that's what apostle paul was able to say that in christ there's neither jew nor gentile amen God has made provision for all of us in christ but that started with the covenant that god made with abraham so god in his infinite mercy made a plan that all humanity on earth will be blessed through this great man abraham so abraham's life was a picture of what God intended to do in the earth to bless all humanity another example that we shall look at is the life of joseph we know joseph was his story is such a unique story that when the bible says that you know his father made him a coat of many colors he was loved of his father we know that he was you know not like when he told his family about a dream and then you know the brothers put him into a pit and then they sold him into slavery to the Ishmaelites he found himself in Egypt in Potiphar's house but then it happened that you know Potiphar's wife lied against Joseph he was thrown into prison or she said he was falsely accused of something that he did not do he ended up in prison but even in prison, Joseph maintained his integrity. But God in his mercy and God in his goodness, God in his sovereignty and his kindness preserved Joseph's life. Now it happened that Pharaoh had a dream. We know that story. And the dream that Pharaoh had, he was very disturbed. He was very, very troubled about the dream. The dream about the, you know, the seven fat cows and the seven lean cows. And all the magicians and all the astrologers in Egypt could not interpret the dream. And it happened that Joseph was brought before Pharaoh to interpret the dream. Now, my emphasis, time will not permit us, my emphasis is just on verse 37. And verse 37 says, So the advice was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all his servants verse 38 and Pharaoh said to his servants can we find such a one as this a man in whom is the spirit of god so when joseph interpreted the dream to pharaoh joseph gave counsel he gave godly counsel he gave godly wisdom to pharaoh that this is what god is saying to you that there's going to be seven years of plenty and after the seven years of plenty there're going to be seven years of famine so this is what pharaoh needs to do and joseph's godly counsel joseph's godly wisdom to pharaoh was that during those seven years of plenty let us gather enough grain and store to take care of the seven years of scarcity the seven years of farming and that's what he did and that's how you know joseph through his godly wisdom was able to preserve the nation of egypt and they were very prosperous now pharaoh verse 37 says, so the advice was good in the eyes of pharaoh and in the eyes of all his servants and pharaoh said to his servant can we find such a one as this in a man in whom is the spirit of god so now pharaoh gave everything in egypt under the care of joseph joseph now became the ruler of egypt because of his godly counsel because of his godly counsel so joseph a man of god endowed with the gifts and the talents of god endowed with the wisdom of god was able to preserve the whole nation was able to keep a whole nation and other people came to buy grain from egypt now if we go back to the scripture that we read this morning in matthew chapter 25 from verse 31 please Matthew chapter 25. Yeah. When the Son of Mark comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the, the throne of his glory all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats and he will set the sheep on his right hand but the goat on his left make note of that he will set the sheep on his right hand and the goat on his left verse 34 then the king will say to those on his right hand come you blessed of my father inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world for I was hungry and you gave me food I was thirsty and you gave me drink I was a stranger and you took me in now he said for I was hungry and you gave me food this is the Lord now I was naked and you clothed me i was sick and you visited me i was in prison and you came to me deploying the power of neighborly love you know that whole matthew chapter 25 pastor has taught us so many times if you read from the verse one it talks about the parable of the talents and then this one that we are looking at now christ is saying that when you know the time of accountability comes when the time of reckoning comes he is going to separate everyone he's going to separate people one to the right hand and one to the left hand the sheep will go to the right hand and the goats will go to the left hand and then he will say come into the kingdom That your father has prepared for you. Why? Because they have done the will of the father. They have done what was committed to them. They have done what they know is written in the word of God for them to do. They knew the will of God and they did it. He said, I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me deploying the power of neighborly love and if you continue he said verse 37 then the righteous will answer him the righteous will answer him saying, lord when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and you gave a drink 38 please thank you when did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? 39, please. Or when did we see you sick or in prison and came to you? 40, yeah. And the king will answer and say to them, I surely, as I say to you, in as much as you did it to one of the least of these my brethren, you did it to me visiting people in prison when we see people are naked people are destitute people that are hungry what do we do do we see them as a brother of christ do you see them as somebody that christ gave their life for though i mean somebody who is in prison he may be in prison for the right reason maybe he's paying the penalty of his wrongdoing But even people like that, they still deserve mercy. Or they still need to be shown mercy. They still need to be visited. When were we naked and we clothed you? And he said, the king will say unto them, As much as you did it to the least of this, my brethren, you have done it unto me. As much as you did it to the least of this, my brethren, you have done it unto me. There is a time that is coming. We haven't got much time left. But God is bringing these teachings our way to remind us again that our purpose on earth, that the reason why Christ has found us is that, that we go after those who are on the fringes of society, that we go after those who are downcast, we go after those who nobody cares for, and we look after them, we visit them, we bind their wounds. Because Christ gave His life for them as well, even for the people in prison. If you cannot physically go to the prison, you can pray for them that are in prison, or find a ministry that is reaching prison that is, you know, reaching out to the prison ministry and support them. It is you that is going to them. When did you find me in prison? And you visited me. When did you find me? When did we did we find you naked and we clothed you? When did we see you as a stranger and we took you in? These things in these modern times, they are like alien to us, to our contemporary times. That to take a stranger in. I'm not saying that you should just, you know, open your doors to everybody and just... No, that's what I'm saying. But I'm saying that the, you know, Christ's teaching here is that when we see a need when we see that people are in need we should have you know compassion we should have bowels of compassion to meet those needs to meet those needs because god has called us to show mercy just as we said earlier on he said that, teach me to love as he have loved me teach me to love as he have loved me Shall we look quickly at the scripture in uh, Luke chapter 10? We shall not read all of it, but just uh, one or two points that I want to draw out there. The Bible talks about a stranger who was going from Jerusalem to Jericho. Or a man that was going from Jerusalem to Jericho. Then he fell amongst thieves. He fell amongst thieves who, you know, attacked him who injured him, and then he was left half dead. This person, he was just on his way, going from one location to the other. But suddenly, he found himself among thieves. And what happened? They attacked him, they stripped him of his clothes, and they left him half dead, just by the roadside. And there came the priest... There came the priest. The priest, when he saw this man lying on the street half dead, the Bible said that the priest went to the other side of the street. And then came the Levite. The Levite also, when he saw him, he walked to the other side of the street. This is somebody that has been injured, somebody who has been attacked, somebody who has been stripped of his clothes, somebody who is dying. The priest and the Levites, they both pass on to the other side. But then comes the Samaritan. Then comes the Samaritan. The Bible said that the Samaritan, when he saw him, he had compassion on him. The Samaritan had compassion on him. We need to have compassion on people. We need to have compassion on people that are dying. We need to have compassion on people that are injured. It may not be physical injury. There are a lot of people going around in this time who are carrying a lot of hurt, a lot of pain, a lot of damage, a lot of wounding in their souls. When we see people like that, we need to have compassion for them. We need to have time for those people. If we can't do anything at all to ease their pain, at least we can pray for them. If we don't know what to do, what to say, least because the lord touched this person lord touched this person i don't know what their situation is i don't know what brought them into this situation but lord i pray that you touch them oh god lord bind their wounds oh god lord bring healing and restoration into their soul that is what we are called to do the samaritan had compassion on this man he took him to the inn and he gave him to the innkeeper And the Samaritan paid to the innkeeper for this man to be taken care of. God is calling us. He's bringing us back to what he has commanded us to do. God is reminding us again this morning that there are thousands of people. It could even be your very next door neighbor. You may not speak to them. You may not, you know, say anything to them. But you at least you can pray. You can pray. You can pray for them. I mean, a few years back, a couple moved into our street. And this couple, they were Christians. And then, the, I think they might have seen us, you know, every Sunday going to church. And then they approach and then they introduce themselves first to my wife. And then when I came back from work, my wife told me about, oh, the guys next door, the, you know, uh, are Christians and uh, uh, they go to the Baptist church and and then he, he came across and he, he said, oh, how, so one day he says, how about, see if, have you got you know, five minutes that we can just have some coffee, I said, oh, sure so I gave him the time uh, in terms of my availability I went over and all he wanted us to do is to just fellowship and we started praying for you know, the, the, the other neighbors in the street and I was so touched and we did that quite not regularly but when lot we did that we prayed for the neighbors in the street we prayed for the whole street we prayed for the neighborhood and i was really encouraged by that well they, they've they've uh, uh, moved now out of the area but the point i'm trying to make is that even those times that we pray for the neighbors in the street you know at least god would have done something Those prayers could not have gone wasted. Those prayers could not have gone, you know, unanswered. We prayed more so for God's mercy, for God's love, for God's grace, and also that they will come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. This Samaritan, when he read further, he did far much better than the, the, the priest who is supposed to be, you know, somebody to care for the wounded somebody to care for the hurting somebody to care for the dying there are a lot of souls around that are dying people walking every day going into hell they are dying physically and spiritually what are we doing what are we doing church? what are we doing about people that are perishing the souls that are perishing what are we doing the samaritan had compassion on them He had compassion on him. He took him to the inn. He took him to somewhere that he can be taken care of. And he paid for him to be taken care of. And when he left, he said, when I come back, if there is anything more that I need to pay, I will give it. As I begin to run up in the New Testament... There has been a lot of, a lot of uh, examples even in the New Testament of, you know, people taking care of their neighbors. And one of those examples that we found about Christ, you know, in Matthew chapter 14, the Bible recalls that John the Baptist was beheaded by the evil herod because john rebuked him that he should not you know have to have his brother's wife herodias but the bible recalls that when john was having uh, herod was having his birthday he called people together and herodias uh, daughter danced before them and then john asked her what she wanted she went to the evil mother and she, the mother told her to request for the head of John. Can you imagine? To request for the head of a human being. So what happened? Because John made an oath to this young girl, when the girl requested it, Herod, I'll give pardon, not John, Herod, because Herod made a, an oath to this young girl, when she requested it, she, Herod could not, you know, go back on that oath. So what did he do? He sent to the prison. They went and beheaded John and brought John's head on a platter and gave it to the young girl. And she gave it to the mother. But if you read further, that Matthew chapter 14, the Bible said that John's disciples took him and buried him and they went to tell Jesus about it. And then Jesus went, took himself into a deserted place, and he began to pray. But the people, the Bible said the people from the cities followed him. The people from the cities followed Christ. Verse 14. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them, and healed their sick. When it was evening, the disciples came to him, saying, This is a deserted place. And the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. When Christ saw the multitude, the multitudes came from the cities and they followed Christ. They went to Christ. Why? Because they saw that in Him was life. They saw that Christ was the Messiah. And when Christ saw them, He had compassion on them. And when evening was come, his disciples came to him and said master send them away because we are in a deserted place you know send them to the villages so that they can go and find food to eat because there's nothing here and the bible says that christ said to them they do not need to go away you give them something to eat and they said to him we have here only five loaves and two fishes only five loaves and two fishes the disciples said send them away but christ said no do not send them away give them something to eat and they said we have here only five loaves and two fishes we know from scripture that that five loaves and two fishes belong to a little boy and christ took those five loaves and two fishes who looked up to heaven he blessed it he broke it and then he gave to the disciples to be given to the people and we know from scripture that the Bible said that, you know, the people were fed just the women and the children alone, 5,000 besides the men. So if, if you count the men in addition to the women, so it must be over 10,000. I don't know. But the number that was recorded in the Bible said that the women and the children who were fed were 5,000 and they were leftovers. The point I'm trying to make here is this. When Christ saw them, he had compassion on them. They were multitudes. He saw them, he had compassion on them. And then he healed them of their sicknesses. And after that, he fed them. Because they must be hungry. They, they were probably hungry. He fed them. Compassion. We need compassion on people. We need to have compassion on people. So, the, the, the reason... The reason for our calling, the reason for our, our whatever area that you are serving, whatever you know, domain in which God has endowed with whatever graces God has given with, we need to have compassionate people. We need to see people as the people for whom Christ died. Because the Bible says Christ gave His life for the whole world. Christ gave His life for the whole world. So whoever we meet. In our workplace, in our offices, let us, let us share the goodness. Let us be, you know, the touch bearers. Let us be the carriers of goodness. Let, let, let our lives demonstrate that Christ lives in us. If we cannot open our mouths to speak, if we cannot open our mouths to, you know, to encourage people, let our lives demonstrate that Christ lives in us. Recently, I was watching a man of God, and he—he he is a very well-known man, and he was talking about how God called him. He, you know, called. He—he's trained as a civil engineer. His dad is a civil engineer. His grandfather was a, a contractor. And then on 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 the on the building site, he was having a lot of people coming for counseling. And one day, his manager, his land manager, was quite angry with him. Said, "What are you doing here on a building site?" You are entertaining visitors on a building site. What is going on? And then he said, "Why, why, why, why is he talking to me like that? Is he the only few people who came for counseling?" And then he said, "It suddenly dawned on him that even though I had my training as a civil engineer, my real customers are those people, and they are following me to this building site. So I need to go and meet their needs." He decided to give up a very promising career. A very, you know, a a career that, you know, outwardly may look that has a lot of financial rewards. But he's decided to follow what God has deposited in him. He decided to honor the call of God upon his life. And today, he's been a blessing to thousands and millions of people. Just as God said to Abraham, I will bless you and you will be a blessing. And out of you, the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Friends, this morning, I just want to encourage you. That whatever God has deposited in you, whatever God has given you in terms of graces and giftings and talents, God has given you that for you to deploy that to meet somebody's need. You have got something in you that God wants to use to meet somebody's need. There is something in you that God wants to use to meet somebody who has been battered and left half dead on the roadside. Somebody who has been stripped of their dignity. Somebody who has been stripped of their honor. You know, when robbers or armed robbers attack a man and they strip him of his clothes, that man or woman is stripped of their dignity. And the enemy is stripping a lot of men and women of their dignity. And God has called you to be the one that to put back their dignity on. To be the one to restore their dignity back on by having compassion on the wounded by having compassion on those that are left half dead by the roadside that everyone is just looking at them and crossing over onto the other side god has not called you brother god has not called you, sister to cross over onto the other side like the liver and the priest but god has called you to have compassion on the hurting god has called you to have compassion on those that are left half dead Those that are marginalized. Those that nobody will care for. Those that are in jail. Those that are naked. Those that are hungry. Those that are thirsty. God has called you. You have got in you the river of living waters. The Bible said that if you believe out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. You have got the living water to give to those that are thirsty. You have got the living water in you. What are you doing with that living water? What are you doing with it? God has called you to avail yourself. For God to use to deploy, to touch that neighbor of yours. You could even be a child. You could be a young person. You say, oh, well, I'm just a youth. Yes, you're just a youth. But God can use you even to touch your fellow, your friends at school. Just to be there for them. Just to say, oh, don't worry, never mind. It's okay, I'll be your friend from now on. I'll be your friend. If they don't want to be your friend, I will be your friend. God has called you to be the person to stand up for those who have been bullied in school. He said, no, I'll be there for you. I'll protect you. Let us go to the teacher. Let us go to the head teacher. Let them know what is going on. So every person has got something to offer. As I begin to bring this message to your close. I want us all to just have a time of reflection to think what is my purpose and what is the call that god has given me and we need to respond to it in summary we need some essential elements to be able to deploy this power of neighborly love we need faith in god The first thing is that we need faith in God. We need to have faith in God. We need to believe God, that God is able to use it to just be a two fish or five loaves, whatever it is. We need to believe that God is able to use it to feed the multitudes. You have that wonderful singing voice. God has not created you with that wonderful singing voice just for the sake of it. You know, people have got the rare talent, like you know, Uncle Joba here, our our brother there, when he gets on the drums, you know that everything flows. You know, our sisters here, when they come to sing, God blesses the ministry. God blesses us. They are using their talents, they're using their giftings, they're using their abilities to bless the church. Let this not just be people who just come and warm the pews and just go. There are multitudes. Out there in the world. Just heading into eternal damnation. Let God open our eyes to have faith in him that there is something that I can offer to my neighbor. There's something that I can offer to my next door neighbor. There's something that I can offer to the person that I meet, you know, on the train station or in the bus or whatever. There's In the supermarket. There's something that I can offer. God has deposited something in me to give to that person. It is called the living waters avail yourself and then secondly we need to be obedient the samaritan he was a samaritan the samaritan was obedient to the call of god joseph was obedient abraham was obedient we need to engage with the power of prayer we need to pray we need to pray we need to engage with the power of prayer Pray, there are millions of people hurting, even in this evil pandemic that has come that has caused so much havoc. You know, so much hurting families. We need to pray for one another. We need to pray for the church. We need to pray for even those outside the church that, you know, Bible say that, you know, the fields are white, but the laborers are few. We need to pray that Lord God send more laborers into the harvest fields that they'll bring the harvest in. And above all, we need to have compassion. We need to have compassion because Christ had compassion on us. We sang this morning. Let me love just as He have loved me. Shall we pray? I want you to just you know bow down your heads and and just pray to God.